Thank you, Father, so much. Thank you so much that by your power, Jesus Christ came forth from the grave, victorious over sin in the grave and death. And that same power is in us. Thank you so much. Now, resurrect us even this day. And whatever the issue is, is before us. May we know your spirit. May we see your good work and your hand in our life today. It's already taken place. We're grateful in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. He is risen? You're right. Exactly. Good job. Thank you, Simon and team. Well, well done, as usual. Hey, you know what excites me? <laughs> well, when you get excited, no, when it doesn't snow on Sunday morning. <laughs> Yeah, Jeremy's going, yeah, yeah. Jeremy works for CDOT, and he clears the roads down Colorado City down there, and he's really glad it didn't snow today. He had to take a break last week because he had to go to work for his daughter being baptized in the second service. He said, i got to be there. i got to get out of here. So, uh, yeah, Jeremy, I'm glad it didn't snow today either for you, so you didn't have to do that. Uh, hey, but uh, you know what? It does excite me when you get excited. And I'm glad that we have this opportunity. We've got some more exciting responses to the uh, 40-day Abide in the Word Challenge. Uh, I can't keep track of everybody. It's kind of here and there, and we get this. And, but, but I think about over 125 of you have committed to read the Word. We started March 2nd. We're reading the Word each day through Easter. And we can go, well, yeah, we can continue, right? And more men signed up last week. Yeah, good job, guys. Now, you can take that connection card, and you can fill it out. Tell me if you haven't signed up already. We'd love to have you participate with us, just so we know. And be sure to get your uh, thoughts to me, and they're how important it is, what God's doing in your life. Here's a couple of them I got last week. Uh, one gentleman said this, Thought of your sermons when I read this verse this last week. Great verse for your series. The verse is Psalm 145.13. It says this, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and kind in all his works. Ah, that fits, doesn't it? The Lord is faithful to all his promises and kind in all his works. I got another one from a lady here in our church that God is good. He's reinforcing what you're teaching. From my devotional studies this week, and here's the quote, There are many things I can cling to, but Jesus is the true vine. I'll only experience healthy growth and abundant fruit when I abide in him. In parentheses. Sounds a lot like what you're teaching us. And then another quote. What are we learning of and from Jesus? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those. Keep them, keep them coming. The Lord's up to something exciting in our midst. and I'm glad for that. So keep sharing. As my friend said, and I shared this with you last week, as we talk about the things that that we're working through, he says, do this. Talk less about what you're doing and more about what God is doing in your life. Talk less. It's important. We want to share with one another what's happening, but talk more about what is God doing in my life? What is he teaching me? How is he helping me? What are the things that he's shown me from this passage that will be valuable and important to you? So we're in Psalm 19 still. You probably can find that about the middle of your Bible there. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right in front of you. If not, you probably have your tablet or your phone. Uh, maybe you have this one memorized. It would be a great one to memorize, be a part of it. 
But uh, Psalm 19, here's what God's Word says to us today. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for his son, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock. Give a quick brief review from last Sunday as we looked at verses 1 through 6. David, the shepherd boy who became Israel's king, writes these words that are to be put to a song, to music, to be able to sing this song for his people. And he says this, kind of wrapping it up as we looked at that first little section, verses 1 through 6. He said this, that the evidence of God is all around us. It's in the creation. So all you got to do is you got to look up and look around to see that there is a God and that he is the creator. It's as simple as that. We certainly see that, especially where we live and the beauty that's all around us. Uh, we're so fortunate to be a part of it and to see the mountains out there, the, I don't know, 120 miles from Pikes Peak down to the Spanish Peaks, the mountains that are there, the wet mountains, and the Sangre de Cristos, and the San Juans, and the Sawatch Range, and all those, all those various ones that we have around us, the plains, the beauty of the plains as, as you drive and you see the various things that God has created for us. And he, David is saying to us, just, if you want to know there's a God, all you got to do is just look up and look around and you'll see evidence of him in his creative power and his design. He says that the heavens declare the glory of God. He says the skies proclaim his handiwork and, and the sun, the cycle of day and night runs its course with joy. Well, maybe not this morning for you. You might not have had quite as much joy this morning getting up in the midst of losing that hour of sleep, or maybe you didn't lose the hour of sleep, or maybe you tried to go to bed early and that didn't work, and so here you are. And so, you know, in the middle of this, if I see a few yawns, it's all right, okay? I've sat out there too. I know what it's like. But we're so glad you're here, that you got up and you came and are part of what God wants to do. But David says to us, when we look at that, when we look at the heavens, when we look at the skies, when we look at the cycle of day and night, the sun, we see that it points to a God and a creator, one who cares for us and loves, loves us. David just affirms what Moses wrote in Genesis 1.1, right? 
quote it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Didn't happen any other way. He's spoken into existence. Out of nothing, he made everything that is visible and invisible that we can see. In John 1, John affirms what David wrote when he said, In the beginning is the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He goes on to say, Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not one thing was made that was made. John recognizes that. He picks up on what the scriptures say in the Old Testament. Paul affirms what David wrote in Colossians chapter 1. He says, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Scripture just goes through and it just keeps saying to us from the first verse through the end, God is the creator. And if we'll just look up and look around, we'll see that there is a God and that he's revealed himself to us. It's a proof to all humanity, not just us. All humanity can see the creation and get, see his existence and the evidence of his order and design. That's what we call general revelation. Well, that's what they call, the theologians call general revelation. That the existence of God is seen in the creation and it points to there is a God and all humanity is able to recognize that and, and affirm that. Now, when we talk about special revelation, as we got started into that last week, we talk about special revelation is God revealing himself in print, the word of God, but also in the person of Jesus Christ. So special revelation is God taking what he has shown about himself in creation, now expanding on it so that we now know how to have a relationship with the almighty and creator God. And it comes in scripture, in print, and in Jesus Christ, the word of God, as it says in John 1, in person, that is who we, we recognize. And he shows us, and scripture shows us the way to have this relationship with the creator God. That's what we call special revelation. You'll remember in verses 7 through 11, we talked about that David used a poetic style, the, the Hebrew poetic style to pen this and to put this together for us. And that style is not so much based as in English with the rhyme that we have and the rhythm and the rhyme that we have. It's based more on comparison and contrast and being able to explain itself for us. I don't have the Hebrew up there. Uh, many of you were reading that last week for me, so I appreciate that. I don't remember it either, okay? But we talked about this. In this Hebrew poetry, there's line A. It talks about the truth of Scripture. And then there's line B that talks about the impact of Scripture or the influence of Scripture. In verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. There, the truth of Scripture. And then it says, reviving the soul, the impact of Scripture, the influence of Scripture, how it helps us to know the Creator God and put together. And we see that all through this passage. Matter of fact, it says, uh, as I was reading one uh, person, person uh, commentator, it says that uh, in, in three of these verses, there are ten words, exactly ten words. In three of the verses, cons consecutive verses, there are th ten words. S somebody says that they think that's just a picture of giving evidence of the back to the Ten Commandments. Using just ten words in the Hebrew to describe what he's getting to 
in these verses. So it's pretty cool how God has put that all together. Last Sunday we said that the law of the Lord is perfect. It is accurate in what it describes and what it declares. It's without error. There are no omissions. It contains everything. That, that wasn't emissions. That was omissions, all right? All right? There are no omissions in it. It contains everything that the Lord intended for it to have and everything that we need to enter into relationship with the Lord so we can obey and grow in Him. And as it multiplies in our life, as it goes forward in our life, it revives our soul, the part of the person that interacts with God. The Scriptures bring a revival of life back to the relationship with, with God when it is read and applied. Did, did we maybe sing some song, the last song, that kind of talked about that a little bit? Reviving the soul, resurrecting. The resurrected Lord resurrects us. He revives our soul when we read his word and we apply it. He, he says to us, he says, this is, this is where you're at. I know you're a little bit discouraged. I know you're a little bit down. I know things are a little bit difficult. But here's my word, and here's where I, I want to take you. As you read the word, I want you to see that I'm involved in your life, and I can be a part of you, and I can help you, and I can strengthen you. I can take you from discouragement to encouragement right now through the word. I'll bet you for some of you that happened this week. You're just looking at the, the issues of life. You're looking out there and the glass is, you know, the glass in the mirror is dark. And the Word of God comes and it's like that mirror and it shows you who you are and what God has in your life. And then it shows you also how you can have this relationship and that He moved in your life and you walked away from that time in the Word going, Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for showing yourself to me. I was over here 30 minutes ago, and now I'm over here. I can go through this day. I can move through this day because your life's perfect, and you've revived my soul, and I'm so thankful for it. Be sure to thank him for that when that happens, right? He likes, he likes those thank yous. They're important. He has feelings. He's a God with will and emotion and feeling. And we express our thanks to him when he does that work. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, he goes on, as we said last week, the testimony of the Lord is sure. It can be counted on. It can be trusted. It can be give a sense of confidence and an unchangingness that's in it. It's always available. It's authoritative for us, just as it was in the day when it was written. Spurgeon, as I was reading through the treasury of David this week, Spurgeon, that great prince of the preachers from the 1800s in London, he said this, in this day of uncertainties, it sure is good to know that the there's something sure in our lives. <laughs> that was in the 1800s. Imagine what he might say today. <laughs> I mean, I know they had their things, but they didn't know nearly as much of the uncertainties of life as what we do. Because we got the TV on all the time. We got the radio going. We got the newspaper. All those things show us that, man, there is a lot of uncertainties in life. But it sure is good to know that there is something that is sure and certain and it is His Word. His Word for us is sure and certain and unchanging. You think about the, the Ukrainian believers. You think about even the Russian believers who maybe are standing up and saying, what we're doing is wrong. Think of the uncertainty that they're going through in the midst of everything that, that is a part of their lives. And we just read about it and it troubles us, Right? But we're not the ones having to get on that train and having to go and go to Poland and go to the other cities and countries and to be able to start life again and leave everything that's behind. Man, how difficult that has to be 
And yet I guarantee you there's some of those that are resting in the Word of God. God, we don't understand why this is happening. This is difficult. This is really hard. But I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to rest in your word because your word is sure. I can count on it. And you are sure because you're the backing behind it. Because you're unchanging. Your word will stay the same and it will do its work in my life. When we take scripture, as the psalmist says here, the testimony of the Lord is sure. It will make wise the simple. It can be counted on to help us make wise decisions in our life. We can rest upon it and know that, God, you're going to give me the wisdom I need for this issue, for this concern that I have today. Well, that's where we ended up last week. So we begin in verse 8 this morning. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The precepts, the, the, the thoughts of Scripture. They're just using these synonyms, testimony, law, precepts, commandment fear of the Lord, the rulers, it's just synonyms for the word of God, what David knew at that point in time. For us, the whole of scripture, the precepts of the Lord are right. They are holy. They're always true. They're always good. And since God is always right, good, and holy, we know that his words will be the same way. Because he says what? I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? It's either true or false. Can't be anything else. It is true. He is the truth. It is fully in him. He said, Jesus said in John 17, speaking to his disciples, he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is confirming the words he's speaking, the words that God would give to us, the words the Holy Spirit would give. Your words are truth. Nothing else. Nothing else about them. They are fully, fully what God wants because that's who he is. Now, we know in our day and time, there's a lot of debate about who's right and what's right all around us. There are lots of people who have said that they are right. And by their words and actions, they claim to be smarter than God. Even our president, when he makes a statement like this, quote, to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so that you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. Now, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm being careful here. I'm telling you that statement is an error because you cannot reach your God-given potential without following God-given precepts. And the first one, almost the first one in Scripture is this. God created them male and female. That's, that's almost the first thing that he's given to us. Now, I'm not, being, I'm not trying to be correct. I'm just saying that statement is an error because you cannot reach your God-given potential when you won't follow what God gives to you in his word as his precepts. It will not happen. And that's what we have in our world. Everybody say, well, this is, this is, this is, this is. No, we have to come back to this is God's truth. This is what he has given to us. And it is perfect. It is accurate. It is sure in what God has for us today. Keeping the righteous precepts of the Lord, here says, your heart will rejoice. Again, I ask you this question. I, I, I mention it every once in a while. Have you ever felt good and totally clean, totally good after you sin? No. I can tell you, you haven't. 
You've never felt totally good, totally clean after you've sinned. Oh, it might have felt good for a while. You know, sin is nice. <laughs> it does have just a little bit of pleasure to it. But when we recognize that we've sinned against God, we don't have that sense of rejoicing in the heart. David, or, or if Paul understood that in Romans chapter 7, as he talks about this struggle with sin, he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Do you know that too? <laughs> I do. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Can you anybody identify with that? <laughs> Here's what I think he's saying. My words. Sin makes my heart feel terrible. Sin makes my heart fear feel terrible. Lord, I need your help. Well, I know that one. I know that one. And the Lord says back to Paul, he says back to you, he says this, my righteous precepts will help you to do what is right and holy. Right here. My righteous precepts will help you to do what is right and holy so that your heart will rejoice because you've done the right thing. You followed God's precepts and therefore you can reach your God-given potential because you're following what God has given to you. The right, the precepts of the Lord are right. They're holy, they're good, and they'll make your heart rejoice. He goes on and says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Anybody remember a dove soap? It's how, what percentage pure? 99.44 or something like that, right? <laughs> I was reading an article about it yesterday trying to you know, get, make sure I got that number right. And there's a, the chemists in the world. Or, uh, there's just a little bit of uh, uh, working through that. Is that really, really tr a true statement? <laughs> is that really a true statement, that it's that much? It, it is when it puts kind of all together. There's different percentages of it that are soap. There's different percentages of water. There's different percentage. But it's, it says, their, their tagline was, it's 99.4%, 44% pure. I'm going to tell you this. And what David says, this is 100% pure. This is 100% pure. 99.44 is good. It's good. It might make me smell good and look good, everything that it does for you. But this is 100% pure. As David said, the commandment of the Lord is pure. Spurgeon says again, he says, there's no mixture of error. There's no mixture of error, E-R-R-O-R, error defiling or polluting the word of God. There's no mixture of error, defiling or polluting the Word of God. God gave us His pure commandments because He knows what's 100% best for us 100% of the time. God knows what's best for us 100% of the time. If He doesn't, He's not God. He's just one of us. But He knows that. And His Word shares with us what is best for us. 100% best, 100% of the time. And when we submit and obey to His commands, there will be an enlightening of our eyes. We'll have, we'll have open eyes. 
We'll have clear spiritual vision. We'll have 20-20 vision. I found out in about sixth grade that I did not have 20-20 vision. I was sitting in church in the balcony, and I was trying to read that little uh, board up there that said how many people were in Sunday school, how many people were in church, how much money was given, X, Y, and Z. And I looked at that, and I, I couldn't read it. And my mom said, you can't read that? And I said, no, I can't read that. Oh, I think that you might need glasses. So it's time to get glasses. And I found out you can catch the ball in right field a lot better when you can see the ball coming to you. (laughs) It's amazing how that works. But when we find and we rejoice in the commands he's given us, we obey the commands, we'll have clear eyes, we'll have 20-20 vision, spiritual vision, to be able to to know what God has for us and what he wants to be a part of, how he wants to be a part of our lives. Um, Did we sing a song that said something about seeing this morning? Uh, I saw the light, I saw the light. Hmm. Hmm. Did we not sing that song? Okay, I was just making sure. I thought so. How are you going to see that? You're going to see that because God gives you the eyes to see that. When you obey His commands, you'll see the light as He wants you to see the light. Well, there's not dimness in it for us. We'll see the light that he has for us. Beautiful thought to be able to do that. Our eyes will be enlightened as we obey the commands of the Lord, the pure commands. He goes on and now into verse, continuing on in verse number nine. The fear of the Lord is clean. It's a noteworthy topic. Fear of the Lord is a noteworthy topic in the book of Psalms, in the book of Proverbs. I think about 11 times you can go through the book of Proverbs and you can see the fear of the Lord, that, that phrase that's there. That's reverence, respecting him for who he is, using his name properly and not in vain. I, I think that I think that this phrase it doesn't doesn't fit. Doesn't fit. It use, it's using the Lord's name in vain when we go, Oh my God. Or OMG. That's using his name in vain. It's an expression. It's not giving tribute to him. It's not the fear of the Lord. I'd encourage you. That's a part of your vocabulary. See if you can make me reduce that. Cut it out. Use his name properly. In a beautiful way that says, I fear you. I reverence you. I'm going to respect your name. I'm not going to disobey that third command and use your name improperly. I'm going to use your name properly. I'm going to give tribute to you and respect to you. One author says this, as we talk about the fear of the Lord being clean, he says, filth brings decay. And I add to that, filth brings decay and death, but cleanliness brings life. He says, as he talks about the word and using the the word of God, talking about the fear of the Lord, he says it endures forever. David repeats that promise in Psalm 119, 160, when he says this, the sum of your word is truth. Going back to the, the fact that it is perfect, it is sure, it is right. And then he says, every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Then we have this one in, in um, Psalm 119.89. Your word is forever, O Lord. It is firmly established in heaven. Love that little slide that came up there as I was looking up those verses. Your word is forever, O Lord. It is firmly established in heaven. Isaiah says this, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will what? Stand forever. 
We stand on those promises, but it too will stand forever. Peter paraphrases Isaiah 40 when he says in 1 Peter 1.25, The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the good news he continues on. This is the good news that was preached to you. And Jesus made the promise in Matthew 24, 35, when he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My words will not pass away. They're not going to go away. What we know here is going to go away, but my words, what I've given to you in Scripture, will not pass away. And that's enough evidence as we think about all those verses saying that the fear of the Lord is clean. It will endure forever. And then he goes on, the rules of the Lord are true. This is the sixth synonym David uses to describe the Scriptures, the Word of God. Some versions say the judgments of the Lord are true. Have you ever, uh, you ever played a game? with some people and somebody just always wants to keep changing the rules I'm not going to ask you if that's you (laughs) it makes playing the game kind of hard it can be kind of frustrating and sometimes it ends up making for some really nice arguments (laughs) well that's not what it's it's not what you said a little while ago oh yeah but I decided this is the rule of this hand And next hand, you know, just be prepared. I might change it again, right? (laughs) What does it say here? The rules of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, the instructions of the Lord are true. They'll always be the same for us. When he says this is the way it is, that's the way it will be. He doesn't lie because he is, starts with the T, R. He doesn't lie because he is truth. John tells us that. He speaks of Jesus. He says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And he says that as we look at this, the rules of the Lord are true and they're righteous altogether. Putting them all together, they're true. Uh, I was with the crooks just a little while ago. We were having dinner together. And their, their daughter's an engineer. And she works She works on designing buildings. And t- she, they were telling me about the Millennium, Millennium Building in San Francisco. It's the new Leaning Tower of Pisa. <laughs> and this is kind of a picture of it. Um, and you can't, well, if you go like this, you can see it's leaning. <laughs> well, maybe you got to go like this. I don't know. The fact is, it's opened in 2009, and it's leaning already 26 inches. Lots of really wealthy people bought condos in that building. Google tech executives, Joe Montana, people that, you know, have a little bit of money. It's supposed to be, you know, just just premier. The problem is, the foundation's moving. One inch of movement in the foundation can be three to five inches at the top. Make sure you get a lower level apartment in this one. <laughs> Otherwise, you could be looking at everything this way. Your pictures are not going to be, they're going to go like this on you, right? When the foundation isn't right, the rest of the building is not going to be right either. they got a major problem going on with that building. David says of the Word of God, 
the rules of the Lord are true. And when you put them together, they're righteous all together. The foundation of Scripture is true, right, holy, good. And therefore, the details of Scripture are the same, right, true, holy, and good, as you put them all together. Now, David describes the Scriptures in these verses as, as perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. And the Word of God, when read and applied, will revive the soul. It will make you wise. It will bring joy to the heart. It will enlighten your eyes because it will endure forever and is righteous through and through. But now in verse 10, he, he goes a little bit different around. He says, this is how important the Word of God, this is how valuable the Word of God is to you and to me. More to be desired are they than gold, even much Find gold. Gold, as you know, is considered probably to be the most precious metal that one can own. Just a little while back, I was watching a little documentary about them mining gold in Zimbabwe. And here are these men, and they're just they're they're literally digging about ten feet down, eight, ten feet down, and they're digging in the dirt and they're trying to find gold. And as they get these they weren't pulling out any nuggets like this either, I can tell you that. They were pulling out dirt. And within there, there are specks and flakes. And then they take that and they put it together with mercury to get the gold out of it. Of course, they're just saying, they're saying there, but mercury is really dangerous. Yeah, but we need money. We need food. And so they literally, they have mercury. And that's the way, even reading another article about it just last week, they, they use mercury to, to get the flex and the specks to go out, and, and it congeals together, and it brings the gold out. It's, it's, fair, it's really, really a time-consuming thing. And, and David says, David says to you and to me, the Word, the Word is, is more precious fine gold, more desirable than fine gold. Oh, that it would be in these 35 to 40 days, whatever, till Easter, as we read the Word, as we grow in the Word, that it become that precious to us. I mean, most of us aren't, you know, don't have about, you know, big chunks of gold downstairs, you know, someplace in our safety box or wherever, right? <laughs> but we have the Word of God. We have the Word of God. Not only is it valuable, but man, it tastes really good. Because it's sweeter than honey. And the drippings of the honeycomb. Anybody have some honey this morning? In their toast? One, two, me, I did, I did. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's helpful to us. But it's sweeter than that. It's sweeter Remember what Jeremiah in 15, 16, I think it is, he said, I found your words and I ate them and it was a joy and it was a delight to my heart. The word of God to put it in, that it's more, it's sweeter than that. It's, it's more precious than gold and it's sweeter than honey. The, the beauty of it as we get ourselves into it and we make time for it as we go through these 40 days and the days that are beyond. So he's, I think we can say this, we, we need to stand on the promises, right? Because they are what? more precious than gold and the sweeter than honey for us. Now let's talk about finish up. Let's talk about the witness. Oh, hey, that clock's not working back there, Simon. Um, 
Oh, I got plenty of time then. Good. We're in great shape. Great. We're doing good. The witness of Revelation now. We talked about the witness of creation. We talked about the witness of Scripture. Now let's kind of put it all together as David does as he goes through verses 11, 12, 13, and 14. He begins by then. Moreover, he's saying, by your Scriptures, by the precepts, by the rules, by the commandments, by the ordinances of there, by them you'll, you will be warned as you walk with Him. The Word warns us about our attitudes and our actions to avoid. I think it, it, saying this, if I could kind of put it in, in our kind of world, it, it has a beep, 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 beep to it. I was thinking about that this morning, just going back over there. When those, when those heavy, that heavy equipment working down there for sale, when they're backing up, it goes beep, beep, beep. Why does it say? It's, you're backing up. Be careful. And Scripture, I think, says that to us when we're backing up. You're not going the right direction. I want you to go forward. And I, I'm warning you. Scripture warns us. The beep, beep, beep of Scripture. It warns us. You're not going the right direction. Now, I realize sometimes they are going the right direction. Heavy equipment, Jeremy. I understand that, okay? But it, using that, we don't want to go backwards with him. We want to be moving forward. And Scripture warns us, you're not going the right direction. Be careful. Don't go there. It's dangerous for you. But if we keep the Lord's righteous and gracious commands, there is great reward. Big time reward. We can have great reward for following it, or we can have great discipline for not following it. I like the reward part a lot better, and I'm sure you do too. I want to see God's hand in my life and favor and blessing and His reward. Him saying, you've done the right thing. Who can discern His errors as He asked that question in verse 12? I think He's saying this. So those sins that, that we make as mistakes and errors, you know, sometimes we don't know we did that. And then God can point it out to us. You know, when you, when you said that, you, you, you could have used a better word. You could have done something different. You could have moved this direction rather than participating and going that direction. Who can discern the errors of our lives? You see, when we read the Word, it, it can point those things out to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us of what to do. And then He says, declare me innocent from hidden faults, those private sins that we have. Anybody have any private sins? <laughs> Nobody's raising their hands now, are they? <laughs> Well, I got them. I might not tell you what they are, but we all got them. We all got those things that we struggle with in the dark. When nobody's around, we all have those sins, those, those things that maybe, in, maybe they're just in our minds. Jesus was very clear to point out some things that we think are just as bad as doing those things. We all need to be forgiven of our sin, and the Word can help us ask forgiveness from the Lord for those sins that we have that are private. In verse 13, he goes, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. I didn't know exactly what that word presumptuous is. It's arrogant. It's prideful type things. It's um, sins that maybe we say this, Lord, uh, I can handle this. I got it. I don't need your help. And here he says, Lord, keep me back from those things. When, when I get proud and I get thinking I can do what I need to do and I'm standing on the edge of the cliff because I think I can handle this, God, keep me back from the edge of the cliff. <laughs> Help me to recognize that, you know, 
I need to be humble before you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. He shall exalt you. Yes, okay. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Hmm. Lord, keep me back from those sins that I think that I can handle on my own and that would put me in difficult situations. And then let me not have dominion. Let them not. Those sins have dominion over me. What are the sins that we struggle with that have dominion over us? You know what they are. They may be private. They may be things that you show in public. But we know what those sins are that are difficult, that have dominion over us. And he says, then I shall be blameless. Not, he's not talking about I'm going to be perfect or without sin. But blameless word character, is this. It characterizes our life. Holiness characterizes our life. And in an unholy world, holiness characterizes his life. That's what he means by being blameless. And then he says, and let me be innocent, as I'm putting your word, let me be innocent of great transgression. There are sins, as one author says, there are sins that have a darker, a deeper shade of darkness to them. I thought that was really good. There are sins that have a deeper shade of darkness to them. They're great sins. I mean, sin is sin. We know that. But there are some sins that, that have much darkness in them. And he says, listen, I want to be in the Word. I want Scripture to speak to me. I want it to warn me. And then I, I don't want to be guilty of great sin. There's, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a progression that's in this passage when he talks about sin, when he talks about being warned. Um, there's, here's, here's what I wrote down. Did you notice the progression of warning in verses 11 and 12? That Scripture speaks to us about our mistaken sins. It warns us about our mistaken sins. It warns us of our hidden or private sin. It warns us about our presumptuous sin, our pride sin. It warns us about our dominating sin. And it warns us about great sin. I think there's that progression that's found in this passage. He starts with the mistaken and then he goes to the great sin. And Scripture will help us to be able to be warned about that, not to participate in. So here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I kind of put together last week for you. It's kind of a big idea, a big thought. Lord, speak to me through your creation and scripture that I might abide more fully in you and sin less often and have more joy and peace. I know that's a mouthful. I'm just trying to get across what, what we're, we're trying to go through the word promises of scripture Lord would, would you help me to, to see creation to see you and rejoice in that Lord would you help me to take scripture to read it and to apply it in my life right so that I might abide in you more fully I might know you more fully the vine and place myself in you and in that when I do that I'm going to sin less and I want to sin less and because I want to sin less that's going to give me more joy and peace with you Anybody not want that? Raise your hand. That's kind of what I thought. That's what we would all want. We would all want Scripture to impact us so much that we would say, I'm, I'm moving back. I'm moving back from sin. I, I don't want to go that direction. And when I don't go that direction, when I obey your commands, guess what? I'm going to feel really good about it. I can celebrate. God, thank you for helping me to fully 
or to more fully seek you and love you and care for you and to obey you. And in that is joy and is peace. That's a good place to be, amen? That's a good place to be, amen? <laughs> We're getting kind of tired. There's still plenty of time. I'm just telling you, okay? Would you repeat with me Psalm 1914? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I say it again. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If you've never put that verse to memory, and that'd be a great scripture to put to memory this week. It's pretty easy to do. You have words in my mouth, meditations in my heart. Let them be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, let's take away a word now. I can't, I can't do that. It's the old flannel graph, you know. You take a word. Put that to memory. That's what David wants. That's his conclusion to all this. The creation in Scripture would help us to do that. I'm sure that you're probably like me. There are times when the words of my mouth aren't acceptable in His sight. I'm sure there are times in your life and my life when the meditations of my heart aren't acceptable in His sight. We want them to be, don't we? Yeah, we want them to be. And He'll help us. That's what He's saying. You're my rock. You're my radio. Y'all help us. One more time. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thank you, Father, so much for the witness of creation, the witness of Scripture, and then the witnesses that you bring them together in our lives. We want to be those who love your word, obey your word. And that keeps us from sin and so that we can have joy and peace in our lives. Now, Father, help us to pass that on to other people, the people that need Jesus. I pray that you just use what we learn here as we gather to be able to go out and when we scatter to be able to help people find Christ. Thank you that we don't do what's in Scripture all, all by ourselves. We have the help of the Holy Spirit. But we need His help. Thank you so much.